Fine Dining, the search for the most mediocre restaurant in America, is a podcast where comedian Michael Ornelas is traveling the country, eating at all chain restaurants in search of the perfectly average 5.0 out of 10 dining experience. The objective middle threshold of where bad becomes good. Friend of the Doughboys, Marissa Pinson and John Glover were the most recent guests as they reviewed Costco's Food Court. It's a two-part episode that covers everything from discontinued menu items to how many Costco hot dogs they could fit in their mouths. Damn, I wish I was on that episode. I'd crush that. Head over to linktree.com slash fine dining podcast, uh, F-I-N-E-D-I-N-I-N-G-P-O-D-C-A-S-T, and click B's giveaway to enter a giveaway for an all-expenses-paid trip to your local Applebee's, the current frontrunner for the most mediocre restaurant in America at 5.02 out of 10, for you and up to three of your friends. And you can watch or listen to Fine Dining on your platform of choice while you're there. Enter by May 1st, and the winner will be announced on the May 8th episode. Disclaimer, $50 will be provided for transportation along with a $200 Applebee gift card. I love doing those fast read disclaimer things. Go give fine dining a listen. The search for the most mediocre restaurant in America. This is a HeadGum Podcast. What's up, shitheads? It's me, your number one fuckboy, Johnny G. Gabris here to talk to you guys about Mack Weldon underwear, which I'm currently wearing and which I wear every day now. I honestly thought, I'll buy a couple of pairs so I can talk about it as my ads. And now, underwear is the sort of thing when you're a dude, or at least like when you're like me, if you get one, find one that fits, that's comfortable, that doesn't make you swamp up your undercarriage big time, so that it's like hardens and you can like shatter it on the ground like a piece of glass. When you find a pair of underwear that does that for you, you just want only to wear that underwear. I went back and bought like $200 worth of Mack Weldon underwear, socks, and all this stuff because I want to be juiced up. I don't like to do laundry, so if I have 12 pairs of good underwear, that's 12 days, maybe 13 if i am got a lazy one in there somewhere. Look, I'm telling you, the underwear, buying clothes, especially underwear, not something I like to do at all, especially at my size and how I'm... So tired of being this fat, but I'm telling you, Mack Weldon Double XL underwears fit like a glove. I'm assuming if you're a smaller person, you're going to like them too. So hook yourself up with some Mack. Look, they're comfortable. They look cool. They are supportive without being drained. I personally wear the trunks, like the shorty ones. Um, they they nestle your package just right. They don't get all disgustingly swampy, and if they do, they don't stink because they're antimicrobial. And all this, and you get 20% off if you use the promo code MIGHTY. I'm about to get in trouble pretty soon from Mack Weldon since exclusively all of the promo code MIGHTY purchases have been me buying all them. So do yourself a favor. Get on Mack Weldon. Buy yourself some underwear. Their socks, their shirts, the sweatpants I absolutely love. Their tapered leg and they're my flying pants. I wear my Mack Weldon pants on every flight. And as you know, I rarely wear pants. All right, guys, Mack Weldon, promo code MIGHTY. Get yourself some nice underwear. Not expensive underwear, not fancy underwear, but comfortable, useful, stylish underwear. Later. What's up, shitheads? Welcome back to another episode of High and Mighty. It's me, your host, your boy, the number one fuck boy, your number one fuck boy, the number one fuck boy. It's me, John Gabris. Never getting tired of doing that intro. Never get tired of doing that in front of friends. Never get tired of having guests on and having to do that for them. Now also part of the intro is me bitching about having to do that intro. It's such a complicated procedure for all of you guys just getting into the Gabrus High and Mighty plotline. Um joining me today in the High and Mighty studios <clears throat> is the man, the legend, my friend, comedy director and known LA um ramen file <laughs> payment benz payment thank you so much for coming in here thanks for having me buddy that <laughs> yeah. that opening was amazing that was incredible <laughs> it's growing every day uh, every week it adds every episode adds another layer of some stupid bullshit to it but 
I am your number one fuckboy. I love immediately what's up shitheads. That's the, <laughs> the best start to a podcast. I always like the idea of like saying what's up, like degrading a crowd by saying, I used to come out when I started doing stand up and just say, what's up shitheads. That's great. And That's then, great. From there, try to win them back as some sort of like <laughs> fucking like workout procedure. That's great. And now I do it. My fans hopefully will start calling themselves shitheads. And I hate even using the f- term. I have fans. But <laughs> listeners, it's true, this, man. You can be a listener of this podcast and I guess not be a fan of me. That's fair. Yeah. Probably not <laughs> as likely, but yeah, that, that could be could... weird. Who spends that? That's a lot of time to spend. <laughs> right. But I guess. I guess, am I a Tim Ferriss fan? Yeah, I guess so. If you listen to someone's podcast and it's an hour a week and you listen to everyone, I guess you're like sub- objectively a fan of theirs. Yeah, that's a fan. Unless, unless you hate listeners. Yeah, unless it's like hate listening. Yeah, exactly. Do I have any hate listeners? Please tweet at me and Payman because now he's part of the process. Yeah. Tweet at us uh, if I have any hate listeners out there. That'd be crazy. So it's like... It's like funny, like somebody just mad at like. Well, the especially show. for my show, because it's like it's so it's me and one other person, but I'm the most obnoxious interviewer ever. <laughs> I just talk over <laughs> everyone the whole time. <laughs> so if you hate me, oh, I guess if you hate me, then this show can really get you going. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um. So payment. I ask my listeners, uh, the shitheads, and anyone who happens <laughs> to stumble upon this. To rate me five stars on iTunes and then sh- roast me shit all over me in the comments, and I'll read them on air. So now uh, we're gonna we're getting to that portion of the show. Great! It's such a desperate plea for five star ratings. <laughs> yeah, but it's is it also weird or is it all fun for you? Um, some of it hurts. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, this is from N six four cube. Brad Garbus fights off the daily urge to kill himself by eating Taco Bell and yelling at people who are more successful than him on his podcast. <laughs> Did you know he has a podcast? He has a podcast. Five stars. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, N64Cube. You crushed me there. Love the Taco Bell reference. Yeah, people know. <laughs> These are listeners that are commenting, to be fair. This is from Stranger496. Between the morbidly overweight host and his meathead guests, I'm surprised this podcast hasn't been renamed Diabetes and Dumbbells. Five out of five would listen again. <laughs> Diabetes and Dumbbells is like a good name for like a fucking uh, my memoir. <laughs> <laughs> Why I inevitably have my feet cut off. Diabetes, guys, n- not a joke. It's real. It's real. It's a real thing. My wife has it, and she's not overweight. She got it like virally or something like that which is weird is that possible she got sick and then the way her body healed itself was by attacking her pancreas and fucking up its insulin creation i'll never be comfortable again i'm gonna be scared for the rest of my life now you can get diabetes without overeating or being born with it there's a a third way that it's very it's not that common but it happens to people how crazy is that man that's nuts see you learn shit on high and i learn yeah (laughs) five stars dude five stars (laughs) Five stars, dude. Um, <laughs> um, hold on. Let's see. I think I read that one um, already. Someone just wrote, well-spoken humorous. <laughs> <laughs> That's not their first language. Um, I finally figured – this is from Mofo83. The usernames are so good. <laughs> That's so good. You got to wonder if they just made them or if this is the one they accidentally made when iTunes first came out. Right. Do you have a really embarrassing aim? Because we're around the same age, right? Mid-30s? Or you're maybe younger. Uh, no, yeah. No, I'm like late. I'm 38. Oh, okay. You're yeah. a little older than me. Yeah. So do you have a, a like an early aim scream name that you're like? I don't. My, what was, my first one was like because my name just payment was taken. I think I did like. The Payman 33, because I was a Jose Canseco fan, and that was a jersey number. I think that was my first one. I never did, like, a, I think they didn't have at least pay in it. Oh, uh, okay. So that, I never did, like, a, a, a weird... Like I, I was Surfrat69 was my first... Really? <laughs> my first uh, handle was Surfrat69. That's incredible. Yeah. I have one... Um, I don't... I just found the username again recently, but I got... On YouTube, I got uh, the username uh, Tupac was overrated. Now, I don't believe that. I love Tupac. <laughs> I was like a huge fan of his. But so the strategy is just to get people mad. So I oh, that that account only leaves positive comments on videos. But like videos were like, 
a cat's playing with a bunny. And I'd be like, oh, my God, I had a cat and a bunny growing up. This is exactly how they played. So cute. Thanks for the memories. <laughs> and then the comments are always like, fuck you. Tupac wasn't overrated. And it just starts this huge fight constantly. It was That's the, the only time. The power of a username. It was yeah. great. It was great. Yeah, but <laughs> that's the only time I've done anything other than. If I remember him. correctly, like my college applications, I was mailing out from like surfrat69 at AOL.com. <laughs> surfrat69 is amazing. <laughs> to be. That's like, if you're doing a sketch and you need a funny like username, like that's, that's the one you actually make. had it like 15 <laughs> <laughs> I was a, pa- a child parody. <laughs> um, uh, back to Mofo83. I finally figured out what Gabrus reminds me of. One of those sad, washed-up, old entertainers whose stars completely faded. The type that once had a well-respected career that they now incessantly reminisce about to hide the pain of not being popular anymore. <laughs> Except Gabra skipped the whole well-respected career part <laughs> and replaced it with interminable self-loathing and a non-stop gastrointestinal holocaust. <laughs> so the only things he can reminisce about are being almost not fat one time, forceful homoeroticism, <laughs> and growing up in a place that everyone knows is a goddamn cesspool. <laughs> Highly recommended podcast for comedy fans. Seems like a great guy. Five stars. <laughs> this is one of the best written uh, That's reviews really, I've ever had. That person's really funny. Soul crushing. Soul crushing. Gastro inte- nonstop gastrointestinal <laughs> holocaust. Um, look, I may be an actual Holocaust denier, but I will never deny that I have GI Holocaust. <laughs> wait, wait, what is this podcast? <laughs> oh, thanks for coming on, Payman. So here we are just debunking the Jewish myths of the world. <laughs> you find out I'm like a weird, you're like, yeah, no, I listen to your podcast, man. I love it. The Taco Bell thing. And then I come on, you're like, oh, shit, I really should have listened to better. This is all anti-Semitic fucking rhetoric. <laughs> um, <laughs> what a terrible segue to welcome our guest payment <laughs> hello everyone water. yeah payment is a comedy director he directs episodes of most of your favorite tv shows uh i first met him when we were forced to work together on what would later become a awful project that never aired but <laughs> we got to meet that way and yeah. it was worth it alone for that and i think the 700 dollar wga paycheck i got which got me into the guild union which cost me 25 <laughs> I'll never forget that job. You got debt reason. because of our friendship. I, our first job together, I was forced into debt. <laughs> <laughs> Emotional, spiritual, and truly financial, like the literal debt. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was rough. That was rough. But you've gone on to grow. You directed the first season of Teachers and uh, yeah. amongst amongst many other of your favorite shows like Last Man on Earth and Brooklyn Nine-Nine yet. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah I did one doing another. Oh, okay, yeah. cool, cool. Um, but... Now I'm just stealing from my favorite podcast uh, intro where they give their whole career topic and then go, but we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> shout out to Don't Get Me Started with Anthony and Will, um, who I think are listeners to this podcast and they shout me out on their podcast. So we'll just do some synergy here and say, uh, yeah. So they always say like, but we're not going to talk to him about it. Today we're going to talk about, I've been recently, <laughs> first of all, I originally wanted to have a podcast called John Gabris's Diversity Workshop. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking that it'd be really funny for like a white straight man to have a podcast called Diversity Workshop. That sounds like a thing. Like if you had a job, that, like a program, everyone would have to participate. Yeah, and in. it's just me talking to like a black friend, being like, "What's being black about?" But uh, I've been, I originally wanted to host a podcast like that. Then I was like, I feel like that would come across as inten- like a little like the the lo- the joke might be lost there. But I wanted to talk to just different people I was friends with of different ethnicities or backgrounds or cultures, sort of about their shit as someone who knows almost nothing about it and find both humor and interest in those worlds like i had pally and gill on to talk about judaism i've had my friend esther ku on to talk about being korean i wanted to have you on to talk about being bald (laughs) 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 what a huge setup for the stupidest joke That was such a Worth dad, it. That was such a dad moment. <laughs> Listen, dad jokes are charming. They're endearing. I'm for them. I'm, I'm not against dad jokes. No, they're they're they have they're they're not trying to be anything. They know what they are. I hate when people make them then like over laugh and then go dad joke. You know, like right. that, when people oversell a stupid joke, like just make it and stand by your guns. Yeah, just go. It's good. It's okay to be silly. It's okay to be silly. Yeah. God, that's 
that makes sense why we both have that tattooed on our lower back. <laughs> it's okay to be silly. Um, I have you, the quote attributed to uh, you, and you have it attributed to me. That's yeah, like a cute exactly. Thing. Yeah. That's a cute thing we did. No, I wanted to talk to you about uh, being raised Iranian or Iranian. We say Iranian, but I think Iranian is the correct pronunciation. Iranian, yeah. Iranian. Well, yeah, it, I was because yeah. just like being, I say everything wrong because I'm from New York. And I was like, yeah, I, he's from Iran. They're like, that is not how you say that. So. I always thought Iran sounded better. <laughs> I liked it. I don't know. Iran just sounds. It's like there's nothing pretentious about it to me. I'm like, all right. Iran. Relax. Iran sounds a little like. Well, it makes sense because it sounds like you're trying to speak like a local, right? Which, when a Iranian says says it, makes sense. But when an American says it, it sounds like uh, like weatherman Spanish. Yeah, you know, like well, it, it a oh, hurricane yeah. is coming from Nicaragua. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's weird. It's like. Like, uh, I, I is like already your voice is going high and I, you know, from family members that would get mad at that, there, you can, you know, your diaphragm is involved with the sound E. So they'd be like, Iran, Iran. They, don't, they don't go like even Iran. They don't like, they're like, Iran, like you've got to be it. masculine. And yeah. Girl. It has to be like showboating. It's weird. That's. That's weird. There's well, a lot of posturing. The I men mean, there's, posture. You, there's probably, you can extrapolate an entire uh, you can like sort of extrapolate Iranian uh, v- social views based off of that statement alone. Well, it's like you kind of speak as a it's a masculine culture, like a right. macho culture, right? Well, it's like the men are you know the men are very it's a it's like a bunch of Napoleons, like it's all these like little spirited men <laughs> that like want to feel big, and there's this thing of like you have to be this mighty man, but the families are matriarch. The women run the show. The men just like. Put on this like song at like oh I'm the fucking guy running the shit but it's like you know mom owns his ass like at home interesting so it's weird it's almost like everyone is they play by those really old old world rules like so would you say it's not actually a misogynistic culture it's no, it it is but there's there's something at least in my family it might be different but my family's pretty big so I have a pretty good like. You, know. you have a good cross section. Yeah, there's a good cross. Like I could do a survey of, of the different types <laughs> of Iranians from my family, but like, uh, like in ours, you just knew the women always ran the show. You just knew it. Like my mom, my dad is like, you know, had a temper growing up, and he would like he get very mad very easily. Uh, and uh, but like, and my mom owned him. Like it was still like, and she, you know, kind of smiled to us on the side, like let him do his <laughs> thing. But like. He no doesn't way. know how to feed himself, and he doesn't like. We're the only ones giving him. Love. He's gonna no, be. You're yeah. going to the school dance. Don't yeah. worry. Let him do his little show. I'm in charge. Here. Oh yeah. yeah, you learned that really early. How to how to how to play. Uh, Interesting, because my my family was quite the opposite growing up. My mom was like, she was in charge of what us until we differed, and she's like, well. Your dad will talk to you about that when he gets home from work. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And it was like my mom must call my dad and be like, "All right, here's the thing: tell John he can't play lacrosse. <laughs> tell Justin he can't. You know, tell Jason he's not allowed to sleep out uh-huh. on the weekends. You know, like my dad would just come home and be like, "All right, here's all the important business," and we'd be like, "Why?" And be like, whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. Like, "Okay, yep, you're fair enough." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. So they were working together. They would work together. Like, okay, they we would they would use each other as often as possible. They they weren't really they would work together to raise us and that would be their only real <laughs> collaboration <in my> <laughs> <life>. <laughs> gotcha. they wouldn't work together on their own marriage but right. they would work together on raising us oh, um, but yeah but it was always the dad was the enforcer well there would be t- i mean you know we knew that if we misbehaved badly enough that mom would Alert. like dad was like the throw we'll go tell dad and he was never like he never we never got spanked or anything like that yeah. it was just he's shorter than me but he's he's napoleon like you would get mad and you would <laughs> and feel for those it. who maybe don't know what payment looks like payment is not a tall man i'm either. not a tall man either but a little taller than my father now it's great uh he might be getting smaller i don't know uh he's like a full like he just gets to be like a yoda like yeah he's like a 900 year old that i'm still afraid of <laughs> it doesn't matter um but uh, yeah, that was the 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 dynamic. Like, but we knew, like, you know, you don't, you just don't, you don't want to deal with the yelling. I think it's part of the reason why I'm so gentle. Is I was like, I oh, don't, I've seen what it looks like when someone's for ye- someone, yeah, whose job requires like a lot of loud volume stuff. Yeah, you still, you still don't really even yell. You I don't. To- I you know, it's hard. It's it, like more and more. I, this year, actually, I, I realized this on the last thing I worked on is is I I don't like to call out stuff from monitors. I like to 
walk up and talk to each actor one on one and quietly like i if we're throwing out jokes and alts it's and different it's like for speed only yeah know, and it's like and, and and i've been you know i've seen other a lot of other directors work and some directors do the same thing as me and a lot of them it's just all just shouting for monitor and it it's fine like the actors are used to it it's just weird for me i don't like raising my voice on set i'd right. rather you know also like if we're going to work out an idea it's weird for me to work it out in front of an audience because right, like what if we're shout- pitching a thing that's not funny yeah. especially if I p- throw out a joke and it's like bad I'm and like you don't I just ye- scream it in front of the Yeah, whole I just throat. yelled a bad joke that like 200 <laughs> people heard like let you me gotta, go You got to like go like uh maybe not that one like you got to yeah. follow it up with another yell of like or something like that <laughs> Yeah or it's always like th- like when you're not sure you're always like not this but and then you say the thing but right. that is yeah. what your joke was Yeah or like the classic is like the bad joke pitch here is. <laughs> Yeah exactly and it's like oh you don't have to make that <laughs> No that was your joke pitch <laughs> So you think you're gentle because you come from a uh, cuz your dad yelled Yeah Oh yeah Definitely. our whole family was yelling and I think that's why I went the other way and I just yell to dominate now. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I could just, like I had, I just went, I leaned into it where you oh. were like, oh, I could avoid that. I'm like, well, then I have to be the loudest. Right. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. And we were all sarcastic assholes with each other. So I had to be the most sarcastic. Like it was like I had to win instead of just being like sh- turning shy. Right. I, I went the wrong way and was like, I just got to become more obnoxious. Oh, wow. No kidding. <laughs> yeah. I basically like observed and kind of like. Was like, oh yeah, I don't like that. Oh, I saw that weird look the waitress gave when he said that. I don't <laughs> yeah. want to. I recognize that that is behavior I do not want to do. <laughs> yeah, can't do it. That's really that's pretty much what parents are best at. Yeah, it's kind of like accidentally telling you what not to do. In your life. <laughs> <laughs> like unbeknownst to them. Yeah, they're like, they're like don't pra- say as I do, not as I say as I say, not as I do, and I'm like. I'm not doing anything. You do. <laughs> Don't you worry. I'm not going anywhere near that shit. Uh, what year were your parents? Were you born? Uh, you were born here. No, I was born in Iran. You were born in Iran. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Like right, d- right, basically right when when things went to shit, when the revolution hit. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, and then we, my family was very close to the Shah. We were like embarrassingly wealthy in Iran. Do you see pictures of my grandfather and my great uncles? It looks like the Godfather. And like they're in like beautiful, like all uh, suits. No one's looking into camera ever. Like <laughs> and like they look dope. That is such a insane specific. That's yeah. so perfect. Yeah. All yeah. suits. No one's ever looking. Into no camera. one's looking at the camera. They're all looking off, looking yeah. hard. Yeah. And not thing. no one in the same direction. Like they're all <laughs> looking in different directions. Um, so we were there and obviously, you know, we were on the opposite side as of the Ayatollah. Basically the country lost its mind for a couple of years. And yeah. then later was like, what, why did we go with that lunatic? That was yeah, like I don't freaking know, out. I don't know much about this. You know, it's not something that's really taught in American school. I, I know, I, I know like the basics, but it's embarrassing as an Iranian, like how basic it is. But basically, I mean, it was, it's, there's a lot you, you could compare it to what's going on here. And it's like this, of course. this fucking guy comes out of nowhere and, you know, that people knew of he comes and just f- scared people and was like, look at this, you know, we're going Western and blah, blah, this and that, this, you know, and it was, it's very, very similar to what's happening. And it went to shit. That's the lesson. <laughs> like yeah. It's going to go to shit. If their, their version of Donald Trump, the Ayatollah, was the Ayatollah got, got, Got in or got into power, scared the shit out of the base, basically, and then the the country went super radical right. And so, who had to out. leave? Like your family had to leave. Right? Yeah, because it just wasn't good. And I'm, I'm, you know, I were you I, like were your parents? I, I don't because were your parents on the opposite political spectrum, or is it more like it's not good for anyone here now? No, no, we were definitely on the opposite, yeah, like thing. And they knew our family, like we were pretty known there, and uh, so it was just good for us to go, right. <laughs> and. uh a safe idea for us to leave. So everyone left. I think a couple people stayed. We ended up living in London for a little while. And we visited because I, I went to Disneyland when I was like 11 months old, but like we weren't living here yet. And then. Oh, so you moved to London before you were even one. Yeah. 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 We, we left around. like I was probably like five, six months old when it was like, we got to get out of here. Oh, shit. So we left and then, uh, and then after I don't even know how long it was, my a friend of my father's was like, "Hey, everything cool down. You can come back and live in this other small town." So he was like, "I miss home." So we went back. We were the only ones to go back. Everybody else had moved to essentially almost everyone's in California, like Northern California, Orange County. It's pretty These much are your extended family. My extended family. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, everybody's out here. I mean, there's a couple peppered here and there, but it's very, very California. Um, 
So then you guys were stayed in London, and then from there, so they, we yeah, then we go back to Iran, and then and then we went from like in Iran, like living really opulent lifestyle, and like you know we had like gates around the house and guards, and he was like, I'm still trying to piece it all together. I ask questions every time I go back home because I'm trying to understand the whole picture, and then and now we're just like living in an apartment in some like small town, and. uh and then when I was like four, I remember my parents waking me up and be like, we're leaving. We're going to your aunt's house. And I knew my aunt lived in England. I was like, what? Why? And we had to get the hell out at that point. Like we had to. Maybe it was bad again. It was bad. And they like, I, my, my, from what it sounds like, they like knew that we were back. And we had to and leave. That was a ba- and that was bad news. It was bad. Could, yeah, uh... especially for my dad, which probably would have, you know been the one to suffer whatever was going to happen because they were not reasonable people no and um famously unreasonable famously unreasonably (laughs) uh and so uh so we left and then he had like our version of a coyote a guy who like was guiding us out and it was like we were in this truck and then we were in this van and then we were in this train and then we were hiking and And you were a couple years old i was at this point i was four my brother was nine and like they were giving me sleeping pills and carrying me for most of it because it was just way too much for a four-year-old and then uh like they had like one little jug of water and they were saving most of it for my brother and I. And then, you know, we would get a train at this weird train station out in the middle of nowhere. And then at one point we were like walking. I only have like flashes of memories of from this journey. Uh, we were in somewhere in sand. Like, you know, we lived in a very metropolitan place and we were like on the out outskirts. I don't know where we were. And there was train tracks that went through the sand and anytime we heard a train, we would all dive on the ground and cover ourselves and like bury ourselves essentially till the train went by and then get up and continue. Like that's a vivid memory I have Jesus. from that. And then one thing led to another. We went to Europe and then we basically had like a victory lap, just vacationing in Europe. Like we got out, like we're fucking alive. So were your fam- was your family able to maintain wealth despite having to move around or like lost a bunch of it? Bunch L- no, of- they essentially stole almost everything. And like we- my family owns a lot of land there that if the government ever flips, we would get like a ton of land. But it's not, it's not going to flip. I don't know that it's ever going to happen. Like they got close in 2011, but oh, it's wow. just, a, it's not, I don't know if. I don't know if it's going to happen there. And um, I've known some – I'm not going to put any names in this uh, sentence here, but I've, I know some people who are – whose family members are like first-generation uh, Americans, and they hide money in America because their home nation's uh, government is corrupt. Oh, right. And I've heard that like from a couple of different people, and you don't even think about that. It's not that unco- – I don't think like, it's that's crazy. I know it happens in, our- in some South American countries where they're like, I bought a Manhattan apartment so that they – so that this – Whatever, I'm leaving countries out because it will expose friends. But right, <laughs> <laughs> um, this country's government will take whatever they can find of mine. Right, that's insane. Yeah, so that we had to get the hell out and then came here, and that's I mean it's insane. I, I mean, so then you did I, like I a camp- European vacation, and then your whole then your family moved to California because you had a bunch of other yeah extended in Northern California, here. and it's just crazy to think that like my parents because like, they were you know in their like you know early 30s. I mean they're a young couple. Like they did this. It was like they freaking. I always post uh on father's day the same thing about how my father like led the family out of iran and this crazy dramatic escape because it wasn't a safe place for the family anymore and you know he left the country he loved he really and i think that's part of what his frustration when we came here was that he missed home and he wasn't comfortable here at first i mean now he loves it um, yeah, he's like not a classic immigrant coming here for a better life. He like is a refugee. You know, we yeah. full on were. It was yeah. like we came here because it wasn't going to work out there. <laughs> yeah. You know, I wouldn't have been alive. I would have been dead a <laughs> long time ago. And um, and then that when I was the same age as him, when he did that, I directed uh, a sketch where like people made out with dogs. <laughs> and I, it's for free. I didn't get paid for it. It was just a video for the internet for the midnight show. And like, it's like, I was like, oh, wow. Like he really sacrificed and I haven't done shit with it. I've done nothing to but honor him. But the fact that you can do that and can choose to do that is why you're true. Did true. Did. Yeah. 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 Um, did you land in like, is there a big Iranian uh, population in uh, California where you ended up or yeah. is it like, there was a lot like, you know, our family was huge up there, but there, there's a big Iranian Because these are like, there. is it culturally one of those uh, cultures that's like your cousin, your second cousins, everybody is like 
that whatever the big holidays are, everyone gathers around for a wedding. Yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. It's like because I know a lot of some Middle Eastern cultures, and I'm shooting from the hip here, are like that where it's like family gets extent, like they include oh, the extended. Yeah, family. like I, there was cousins that you know, not until you know. I became much older that I realized, oh, she's like a fourth cousin. That's yeah. just my cousin, <laughs> right? And I, you know, and 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 and, and I, I don't know if every uh, Persian it's like this, but any um, friend of my father's I would call uncle, and any friend of my mom's I would call aunt. So like I didn't know until I was like eighteen, nineteen. I was like, wait, I'm not even related to this lady. I've been calling her my aunt the whole time. <laughs> we had that with like close friends. You know what I mean? Oh, okay, like like yeah. my mom's best friend Mimi, we called Aunt Mimi. Right. You know? Like yeah, yeah. It was like sort of like that, but I could see like that's just extended. It like, was just yeah. huge. Yeah, and like you, uh, you uh, they all see each other. They you know they they're you know they always have little pockets of like shops and you know delis and restaurants and stuff, and they'd all kind of you know try to build a little version of home. What was what was it like? Did you go to like when you were going to school and stuff? Were you, was it in a like a diverse school or was it like excuse me, where there's a lot of when you came where you were here? When, when no, you were no. What I was just, it like being Iranian here? We uh, or would you were you like instantly adapted to America because you are? Uh, I was four, so right. like I you know I was fine. I felt like I was an American like right away. Like I just like my first week every day, all I did was watch Sesame Street. Yeah. I was like, this is great. And then, like, <laughs> within days, I was able to, uh, like, communicate at the grocery store with when my mom wanted something. And uh, so I – and I immediately was like, oh, this place is cool. Like, these kids are cool. Like, they have, you're like, like cool the, By stuff. the way, you're, like, the second person on this podcast – Esther said the same thing that she like doesn't really remember learning English. Like she spoke Korean at home. Right. And I was like, "Were you nervous going into kindergarten?" She's like, "No, we. I didn't even think about language. Right. And I picked it up so fast. I'm like, that's so crazy about being young. You pick it up so well, yeah. It's like I have a nephew who's three. So my brother's Persian. His mom um, is uh, my nephew's mom. My sister in law is Persian and Indian. Right. Their nanny is Spanish. So my nephew's first language is Spanish. His second one is Farsi. And then his third one is English. But he's picking it because they're like, you're going to pick up English so fast because it's everywhere. Yeah. But he's like three and can like talk to someone in that that speaks that language like and communicate. It's That's crazy. wild. And then like makes me feel so dumb. I know. Like, he's like translating. Things. It's crazy. Yeah. It's he's nuts. like help you were. So you were helping your mom at grocery stores. Yeah. You were picking up English faster than she. Yeah. Did. I like, and I think my brother fell in love with the culture right away too. I think our parents were just figuring out, figuring out how to survive. And then, my brother and I were immediately like, America's cool. Like we, you know, we, we got into like pop culture right away. Right. And like, so it wasn't weird for me, but I, you know, I think, I think it was like a couple Asian kids in elementary school, but like, really I was the only kid that wasn't white in yeah. most of the schools until junior high. There was like one black kid and it was like a black kid, a brown kid. And then just, and then all white kids. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, and then high school, my first, uh, my freshman year, my parents wanted me to go to this, like, private Catholic school. It was like, one of these schools that, like, they win at every sport and, like, right. it was really renowned. And not because you were a Catholic. Uh, no, just, but like, just because oh, it was a good school. And It was a good school. It was a school yeah. called St. Francis in Mountain View, and it's a great school. And I went and was like, I don't fit in here at all. <laughs> like, this is like, I saw kids doing coke in the bathroom, like, as a freshman in high school. Like, these kids had a lot of money. And then... Uh, and then I convinced my parents. You, oh, yeah, that's a good question. What did your parents do when they came here work-wise? Um, my mom was like a preschool teacher for, at first, like once she picked it up, picked up the language. Then she worked at like a boutique. And then when that – years later when that owner of the boutique decided to sell it, she wanted to own it. So we bought it. Now she just owned this boutique for like 30. It's just like a little women's clo- like formal wear. In Northern California? In Northern California. Oh, that's so cool. Um, it's called Penelope. It's in Santana Row. Go buy stuff from her. Uh, <laughs> I just plugged my mom's store. You should plug your mom's store. No, she's great. Like, she gets stuff that no one else has, and she's a sweetheart. And oh, you'll, that's uh, yeah, so yeah, awesome. Is she tiny, too? She is tiny, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so and uh, if she's, you see a tiny Iranian lady, go buy a, go buy an outfit off her. Her yeah, her name is Penel- uh, Parvin. The place is called Penelope. She's lovely. Tell her I said hi. Oh, uh, so I call cool. her. <laughs> that sounds like I don't talk to my mom. Tell her that you I tell miss her. her. I said hi. We're still fighting about that slumber party. Tell her that I think about her. <laughs> uh, no, and then my dad, like you know, right away. I, I think that he obviously brought some money over, but not a lot because we were man, we were it, we were barely getting by at first he ended up owning a gas station <laughs> we went down the stereo we, we went full persian full persian <laughs> gas station and then eventually 
uh, kind of got into like real like uh, like real estate developing, and then like owned a car wash for like many years. And this then is, now is like this real is like estate. classic Persian stuff because my one of my college roommates was Jordanian, right? And I'm like, oh, what does your dad do? And he's like, my dad owns a couple of. Uh, Laundry mats, a couple of pool halls, and a, and a couple. And I'm like, those are very specific things. To, and then when his father comes over and we're playing beer pong, he's like, let's make a bet. And he takes out like a wad of cash. Yeah. I'm like, oh, these businesses are very much cash. Well, they, they always go to. Yeah. And it's always businesses that have like a high turnover. You're, you know, you're like people have to go to the mechanic. Right. People right. have to go to the gas. Right. Because that's just like, like old world. Like you want to be successful. You do a business. Everybody needs. Yeah. Everybody don't needs go. Gas. Don't yeah. go reinvent the wheel. Don't, right. You don't need to do that Everyone like that makes money gas. yeah <laughs> exactly and then but now he's like real estate development like yeah. now he's and that's you know it's it's he's been doing that forever and and that's so they awesome. yeah they started new careers when they they came here oh that's so cool yeah isn't that uh and wait so where where were we going you were picking up the language super fast i was you, were getting, up, you and your I brother was... were getting into american culture yeah so do you remember like the i know you said you were a huge jose canseco fan <laughs> yeah yeah i mean I've, I've known that since i met you based on twitter pics and who yeah. you tweet about and to <laughs> <laughs> and who you retweet i can tell you're a big canseco well fan. the funny thing is like like it's you know he was my first sports hero and then obviously it's there's a lot of hilarious you know now he's like hilarious and insane on Twitter and stuff and then recently this this blog baseball blog I know the guy that runs it asked me if I wanted to write an open letter to Jose <laughs> and I did it just went out today as I wrote it I realized it was like a cultural. like me being a refugee here and being like the brownest kid in school. Jose and his family came over on a raft from Cuba. And I remember as a kid, that's what was like, oh, what? There's like a sports hero that like also like yeah. came from another country and like he looks different. And like when people talked him down, I took his it personally. His arms are so much bigger than everyone else's. Yeah. His like, head is so much bigger. And he's like, yeah, what's going on? His home runs are going 40 <laughs> feet longer than any human has ever hit. It must be the fact that he's a refugee. It was uh, so, but it's weird. Like, but And, you know, it, it's weird. I ended up realizing that it was like an iconic figure in my my life uh of like uh, assimilating and being like he, you know even though he was like a mess we fucking love that guy but he was like i felt connected to him it was really weird oh, that's fun so that but he's one... also insane on twitter so yeah, like, it's, yeah. yeah. well as your chase taste change from uh you still love baseball but you're also into comedy yeah it's perfect that jose canseco <laughs> adapted as well <laughs> yeah <laughs> So you can continue to be a fan of him for whatever reason you end up being. His yeah, <laughs> we'll both evolve just different ways. Yeah. Um, what What was like the first stuff you remember being into? Um, like, or or was there any like uh, Iranian holdovers that like Nothing. in your house we always watched? You know, Parvin and I, <laughs> My mom's name is Parvin. Oh, is that why you said that? Maybe that's why. I oh, that head. freaked me out. I was like, that's not a common name. I think I heard it before, and yeah. like just put it in my head is like that's a good reference for an Iranian. Oh, Iranian good, good. name. It's and a good used one. It five seconds. Later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what a cop out. Um, I uh, no, I abandoned. I don't even remember anything from Iran. It was like immediately like everything here is better. Like. I was into, um, you know, like I said, Sesame Street. Then I was into, I immediately like was into Michael Jackson. I thought his like my brother and I got the red jackets with the zippers and like Michael I was Jackson a, like obsessed. He, he like he was spoke through all barriers. Yeah, like, was, I <laughs> yeah like there's yeah I was like crazy crazy. You don't fan even have to speak English to think this guy is fucking amazing. He's, you still watch stuff and you're like, dude, he's the best. He's so good. <laughs> I know it's. I mean, so he also did terrible things. I'm not talking about that, but that's but, what I'm talking about. Oh. <laughs> Oh, oh shit! Oh, that, oh, never mind. What Wait, is this podcast? What is this podcast? Oh shit! Welcome back to the White Hour. <laughs> uh, I got. Uh, let's see. Like, he, I was really into like He Man and GI Joe's professional wrestling for a bunch of years, but I, I just I tag. I was into it immediately. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, I thought this place was way better. That's so cool. And uh, did you have like? Did you have anything growing up in life that you can tell was? strictly an Iranian thing in your family, like something you did, or do you see anything about your personality or lifestyle now that is like culturally Iranian? I, yeah. You know, okay, I know that I, this is a weird question. No, no, just... no. I I know what you're asking. It's like, it, it, you know, and naturally at first, and you know, I shouldn't say naturally cause it, cause I, I don't think the rest of my family was like this. And I mean, extended family. I, I growing up had a resentment for the co the country and the culture because I was like, we had to run away from there. Like, that right. place sucks. Like, 
it was horrible there for us and this place is better and and then there was other little things in the culture like the way you know like i said there's these roles that they play these gender roles but i remember like I, I you know it's a very like if you go to a persian person's house they're constantly trying to feed you and take care of you and that's yes. something and there's in other cultures but persian is like very strong that's the one thing that i definitely have you come to my house and i'm like what do you want what do you want i make a thing true. what do you want yeah i gotta this have is it true of you. but um I like think, aggressive hosting aggressive and if you uh, don't take it they're in pain it my friend sarah them. used to say like no i sleep on floor you sleep in my bed yeah yeah <laughs> like, yeah that's that's yeah. like a persian thing of like and you can't get out of it it's <laughs> like they're always in they're always they have to be a martyr like all yeah. the time it's just like i take take me are you are tied Eat take my, my blood yeah. yeah it's like uh but it was weird i'd like be playing with my uh cousins and then or like playing a video game or something if we were at like a family get together and then when it was time to like make the rounds with tea or pastries or fruit the little girls would have to go get the trays and go around and all the men are sitting around and Ooh. offer them the food and like the, at first it was like oh it's cute she's doing it and you're like you, oh it's cute like we're Life teaching these horrible yeah. <laughs> and as a kid i was like this is we're playing a game i gotta like we pause freaking you know i'm playing like a pro wrestling nes game and with my cousin and then i have to wait while she goes like does a round of tea and i'm like she's seven like let her freaking play oh, that i always had a problem with and and just some of the the alpha the, the very alpha male. I'm not very alpha, so like I uh, there was this a lot of it true. I rejected. <laughs> yeah, it's very true. Uh, so I kind of rejected it growing up, and then now like I'm still that would I mean, be like honest, one of the stereotypes I know about like uh, Persian people is like the the sort of alpha masculinity, yes, yeah. and, and sort of like. Uh, Manliness is easily challenged. I feel like that's true with like uh, yeah, with a lot of Asian cultures and Latino cultures too. Those and <laughs> African American cultures. Oh, and uh, European American yeah. <laughs> cultures. It's a thing that a lot of guys have a hard time with, but you see it more in uh, like first generations and second generations. For sure, it? it's like it's so strong where it's like you can't even like be self deprecating. Like I realized when I would try to make like older relatives laugh if i did anything self-deprecating it would kill because they're not used to it right like what he just like like made fun of i like when it's you are not short yeah yeah (laughs) you are big strong boy yeah uh it's yeah it's crazy mom no i went to school i met other people (laughs) (laughs) there's some fucking tall kids out there yeah i've never like look uh, the first time i looked up at someone is when i left the house it was like They're like, yeah, you were yeah. like, he's going to play football. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> you're like the celebrated giant of the Iranian community. <laughs> and you go into school. That's a funny sketch. What? You show up at school and it's like a bunch of all the kids look at you and you're like, I'm the biggest man from my village. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's really, yeah, I was just telling somebody recently, like I thought I was going to be a baseball player up until like fifth grade. <laughs> and then um, I asked my parents their height and then they told me and then i looked on the back of the baseball cards i had yeah, and i was like, like How come these guys all have sixes yeah i don't see one five <laughs> there's that one five like it's not even and like then i saw spud webb and i'm like no the whole thing is that he's like cute <laughs> it's like cute that he can do that it's like well i'm not gonna be a professional athlete oh boy this is gonna be a diff- more difficult go than i thought Muggsy Mom, Bogue. dad who are all the famous iranian baseball players <laughs> uh payment we need to talk <laughs> like michael jordan was a slam dunk championship it's amazing it's Bob Webb did, and everyone went, "Aw, yeah, <laughs> look, he, did. he thinks he's people. <laughs> he thinks he's people. <laughs> he thinks he's people like the rest of us." <laughs> um, do you have any? Do you have anything about your personality that, like, you see, or like now with like a significant other, they go like, "Oh man, you're so like." It takes really like being around someone else to learn some of your weird tics. Yeah, have you noticed anything that you can cult- culturally attribute or uh, socially attribute to, like? Oh, that's just like this isn't a thing that was from my upbringing. Like anything about your personality. Like I know you're super hardworking. Like fill your schedule, hardworking, which I think is a traditional person. person yeah. Oh yeah. Um, my parents are like that. They work constantly. Yeah. It's like why like, take time off? Yeah. What's the point? I'll rest when I die. I think you could say that about almost every first generation. Like you know what I mean? Like yeah. Just because uh, you know uh, the European Americans, like the Italians and the Irish, have been here for so long. They don't have like the mentality may be lost amongst generations, but right. I remember specifically what my grandfather was like, who is first generation Italian. You know, yeah. like, those guys are like, no, I work until I fucking my heart breaks down. You know, well, I mean, like, yeah, and I'm, I'm, you know, I like you said, I fill my schedule pretty he- heavy. So if I have like two weeks off and I like 
I'm talking to my parents. Like, they're happy that I'm resting, but they're also like, oh, you're not oh, what are you doing these two weeks? And I'm like, just rest, living my life and running errands. And like, because I don't, I don't. I haven't had a day off in the, you don't understand. I've been working 14 hour days for six Yeah, weeks. and they don't get yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. They're just like, why don't you leave at five? And I was like, no, like, I, that's kind of when you like, like things really go because you got answers by five. Right. And then the real work begins when I go home. Yeah. Uh, what so about, yeah. Uh, what about when you started getting into comedy and uh, filmmaking? What was that like? Was that easy to explain to immigrant parents? Or no, because you, you, like, like culture. You would just guess based on uh, you know stereotypes or common knowledge that artists, artist children of first generation parents is like that's like a very weird. Yeah, I mean like, it was yeah for sure weird. And I have cousins that are like, you know, I have a cousin who's like studied architecture and is like making some really brilliant stuff now. And I had a cousin that was like rapping in the bay area who's really talented but like that's awesome. I, I from from my understanding from what i know i'm the only one that like really like went and like said forget everything else because like all all we would be told is like doctor lawyer doctor lawyer a lot of dentists in my family peak, a lot of lawyers right? just peak. like that's what you got to do just like look at the most sought after most uh respected highest paid job and be like that's where you'll go. Yeah. yeah. So I have a lot of cousins that are lawyers. I have a lot of cousins that are dentists. I don't know if any are full on doctor. I don't think any is a full on doctor. Um, and I just early on was like, I'm I'm not gonna be that. And my parents, I think, realized it. And my brother was the same. Where like he's an entrepreneur. Like you know, he like he's you know he's worked in so many different businesses, played tennis as a child, and now he runs two tennis clubs in Orange County, and he like coaches kids and has all these he's like a, a tennis professional which is like totally unlike anything i mean my dad coached and played soccer his whole life so like he, he liked that it, like he liked yeah. that it was a sport right um and that goes along with manliness even if it is tennis there is yeah. like a little bit of like he is physically powerful that's he, yeah he's a sportsman and he yeah, realized sport. very he is sportsman yeah he's a sportsman <laughs> and then my my dad realized i wasn't i let i'm gonna do a side tan, tangent here do it so Tangent's i just not only allowed encouraged okay no. so my i my dad or made you know like a lot of kids i played ayso soccer and my first year i was five and i was doing it because my dad was making me do it and uh my dad just like got hired to be a referee in my league but he couldn't have one of my games <laughs> so one day we had games going on it was at the school and it was like you know four make you know makeshift fields set up and we're all playing one of our referees was sick, so my dad had to be the referee in my first ever soccer game. Oh, boy. And I'm nervous, and I have this authoritative dad, and I'm like, what am I going to do? So I was like a forward. <laughs> and we're th- like, we're, these are, we were the youngest kids allowed to play soccer. Like, if we were one year younger, we would have just been running off the field. Like, right, yeah. it was, we were barely old enough to understand what the game yeah, was. Yeah, this is run around a, a ball. On yeah, a field, uh, but, like a ball. step more than that. Like, yeah. this is one where it's like, you run around, but like, you know what the goal is. Yeah, like, yeah. it's not like yeah it's not like a met like they're they don't they don't have to like we're not leaving the field right right a right. year earlier i'm just like running away yeah. <laughs> so uh this one play happened where one of my teammates just you know we're all everybody's just kicking it as hard as they could in a direction until like the one good kid who's like dad was strict enough taught him to score that kid right, scores all right. the goals so one of my teammates like boots it to to the goalie and it's like way ahead of us and there's no way any of us is going to get up there and i just keep running like towards the goalie and the kid's just as 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 uninterested as I am. He gets the ball. We're literally standing and facing each other. And he's he's at the goal line. I'm about like seven, eight feet away. <laughs> and he puts his foot back and kicks. And it just rolled right to me. And I have this huge goal. Like, this is the easiest <laughs> goal in history. Because if I do anything, he's not going to make a move. I kicked it right back to his feet. Like, literally right back. <laughs> and then he kicked it off. I turned around. My dad is running full sprint thinking his son's about to score his first goal with a whistle. And I see him like stop dead in his tracks and then like kind of slow down, stop hands on his waist, head dropped, turned around and ran the other way. I like saw the moment when my dad realized, oh, this one doesn't have it. He's the moment you it. realize you were going to become an artist is also the moment your dad realized <laughs> you will not be sportsman. Exactly. Uh, but so I, but I took to comedy very early and they, uh, you know, I, in second grade I was watching cheers and yeah. I was like into it in junior high. I got into Seinfeld when it was weird. Like, in second grade, teachers would be like, you're not supposed to watch that show. Right. But it was like, I just, 
I was enamored by it. And co- making kids laugh is how I assimilate it. Like right. I could make them laugh because I was still learning stuff and I would like have fun with the language stuff. Uh, so it, I, it didn't even like come to me that, oh, this could be a career until like late high school when I was like, oh, maybe I could like work in this and then were you like making videos with friends did filmmaking come in yet no filmmaking filmmaking no and it was like at that point i wanted to be adam sandler i just wanted to be the funny performer right and you know those are those are his early uh, snl days and then uh the best and then like three of the like you know just two fucking absolute annihilating comedies out of the gate yeah just billy madison happy gilmore back back to back back. yeah it was ridiculous god like they're all gonna laugh at you the album comes out oh that album's i listen to it recently it's still like incredible he threw a fucking cinder block and yeah. my fucking horn <laughs> yo i know that album by heart i remember yeah someone had it some one kid the cool kid in my summer camp had it sixth grade 4-h camp riverhead long island this one cool kid who wore like a trench coat and had like a ponytail was just like he ended up in hindsight was probably the biggest dork at camp right. but at this camp was a hero because he had the they're all gonna <laughs> laugh at you cd oh and, wow and he would like He'd be like, do you want me to play it for you? And he'd be like, yeah, we got to go to... Re-. And I remember coming home and my mom took me to the mall and I'm like, we got to go to Sam Goody. I got to get the girl all going to laugh at you. And I was like Ooh. so excited and just listening to it over and over again and only remember hearing it from like secondhand from the older kids going like, play with your cock and balls for mom. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah like, totally. I looked at my asshole in the mirror once, blew my fucking, fucking mind. mind. Yeah, <laughs> the best. It's the best. I saw my grandmother in the shower. Who <laughs> starts way above her belly <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I I was way 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 into him. I was the kid that would do that too because me and my buddy got into Andrew Dice Clay when we were in junior high. But we knew that it was a character. Like you know, when he said something that was racist, we knew that the joke is he's playing this dipshit. Yeah, like we because like I had I remember seeing Dice early on on Evening at the Improvs on A and E, and it would be like this is weird. And, but I knew that he was being like my uncles. Right. Like, but I knew my uncles were wrong, but I knew he was like mocking. Which yeah. Turns out, was he? I don't know. But <laughs> Well, I think he, yeah. Well, yeah, now I don't know. Like, first they said it was a character, but now he's like, I've seen him outside of Ralph smoking a cigarette and he like lights the cigarette like dice and he's looking around and I'm like, it's, I'm like, I'm looking at my, like a guy I loved as a kid. He's in Ralph's. He's like, yeah. waiting. What was his... the first one you remember memorizing? I can, I know mine. The first uh, dice joke? Yeah, because I told it to my dad, and he's like, he laughed, and he's like, you can't tell anything. My favorite one, because it was just as a obviously this shows how dumb I was as a kid, was the, the when he did the nursery rhymes, and it was, I don't know why this one got me. It was three blind mice, see how they run, see how they run. Where the fuck are they going? <laughs> oh! And what I always loved is he would celebrate his own jokes. Yeah. With, oh! <laughs> like, yeah. it hurt him. That one always killed me. That's like, a great one. My, it's the first so one I dumb. remember is... Jack and Jill went up the hill, <laughs> each with a buck and a quarter. Jill came down with two fifty. Hey, what a whore! Oh, what a whore! That's <laughs> yeah. right. When we were kids, we were like, "Get it?" Because it was a dollar twenty-five. Like the math was important to the yeah, joke. Yeah, like, yeah. You have to think about the math. It was such a fucking awesome joke. I loved. I loved dice as a kid, of yeah. course. But yeah. and then so I was making copies of that for kids, and yeah. and so I was always into it. And what, then was it we, like? Why were you allowed to watch like stuff ahead of, or is it just one of those things your parents think? Because my parents, yeah, I don't we even... didn't have any rules really about what we could and couldn't watch. I had a, well, basically, we had a, a TV in the living room, and then when they got a better one, I convinced them to give me the old TV. Oh, TV in the room is a kid and is yeah, room. and it was like an old. It was like a, basically a wood box with like yeah. a. It was like when you turn it on, it was so fucking loud. It was like boom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, you like pull a knob to turn it on. Yeah, it was pulling yeah. a knob. It was enormous. And then, but so what happened is, if I got my homework done, they wouldn't bug me. I was watching Married with Children. I was watching Cheer. I mean, I was just watching sitcoms. Right. And uh, and then obviously SNL. But then the way like SNL, you know, I was pretty young when I first started watching it. And my parents' bedroom was so close to my bedroom that if I waited till they go to bed and at like 1129, boom, that yeah. sound goes, they're going to wake up. So what I would start doing on Saturday nights is I would leave it on, but I would turn the, the volume, volume, the brightness, yeah. the con- the contrast of the brightness down because those are the only knobs that were there. Oh, shit. And then I would just like put stuff kind of near like blocking the speaker. So when they came to say good night, they had no clue. They would go to bed. I would wait till like 11, whatever, and then slowly close the door and then – 
get it as bright as I could to where I could see it. And, and as quiet as I could, and my ear would be really close to it, and I'd watch SNL. Dude, I bet you you can compile an entire fucking like interview series based off of what I hear from WTF and, and peers that are comedians about kids secretly watching SNL. Yeah, I feel like I've heard a, a, a lot of we people all, talk we about all did it. it. Yeah. It was like 1130 on Saturday. I remember never making it past the first uh, music guest. Oh, really? Until they started re-airing on Comedy Central. Gotcha. Like, I would try to watch it and be like, because I didn't give a shit about music when I was a kid. All yeah, I cared yeah. about was comedy. So they'd be like, uh, ladies and gentlemen, red hot chili peppers. And I'd be like, so that would mean commercial, full musical act, commercial before comedy would come. Right, out. yeah. So you're looking at like nine to 12 minutes. I always stayed up because weekend updates after the first music ah, guess. And yes. I was like so, like kneeling and then Norm, like it was just those, uh, th- those so that era was. Norm was so good. Norm was like the only reason to watch for like a season or two where they were still kind of finding the new cast. Like before, like Will Ferrell and them like really took that show over. Like Norm was like, that was the, I mean, there was no, that weekend update is the best ever. I don't know if there's ever been one that made me laugh harder than him. Norm was the fucking best. I'm a big Dennis Miller guy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Baba Ganoush A <laughs> uh, current Dennis Miller Or yeah. no no Oh again So yeah. on my podcast What is happening here <laughs> This is a pro Dennis Miller Anti-Semitic <laughs> podcast <laughs> Or aka Pro Dennis Miller um, Right He's like a lunatic Right winger He's now. a super white Yeah Of course Yeah But it's funny that He once said he was like A lifelong liberal And it's okay to change your mind But it's funny that like I remember hearing him tell the story, and it was like one specific issue, and it was a good issue. I, I completely forgot what it was, but I was like, yeah, I would be upset at that too. But the fact that he changed his views on every topic is where it smells like bullshit. Right. You're like, well, that made you change on everything? <laughs> yeah. Like that? You're just full of shit. I'm against the Pacific Trade part. I don't know anything about politics. I'm against the Pacific Trade Partnership. Okay, so now I hate gays. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Right. <laughs> no, 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 no. You don't have to do that. But yeah, it's like, why are you, how can you be like against gays and like don't believe in global warming? Like, where's, why are those like, those are not, they don't need to be together. Yeah, like, you can have one and not the other. Yeah. <laughs> you can very... be whatever, take your stance whatever you want. You don't have to go whole hog in one direction. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um... <laughs> But yeah, what, uh, so, was big. But now that you're now that you're successful, is there like any? Um, I have some friends whose parents are Israeli and stuff, and it's like even at success of like anyone who works in TV would who is a TV, aspiring TV director would be like Payman's doing well. But right? Does that convey to your parents? Or are they still like he's off making movies? Only recently, because I've been here uh, about ten and a half years. I told them when I moved here that it would take about ten years. I go, it's going to take a long time. And I moved out here late. It was tw- I was twenty eight when I moved here. Yeah. And I knew I had to make up for lost time, so I just put my head down and worked and was like. Look, I can I can go do a regular job. I want to let me just go try. I just something feels like I feel like this is going to work. And if not, like even if I ended up being like an executive or just if I was producing or an editor, like I just wanted to be somewhere in comedy. Yeah. Like I got into comedy. Yeah. Like I got into directing as like I was into comedy first. It wasn't like I grew up like I mean, I loved movies, but my passion was funny things. Right. And that naturally you know, from wanting to perform to eventually realizing directing was what I, what I wanted to do. They were freaked out when I first told them. And then when I was in college, I got a short film into a really great film festival. They came and watched it. And the, the, the short got like a crazy response, a crazy response. Oh, uh, uh, Arthur, Ar- just a garbage truck. Yeah. Just Tuesday's a garbage, garbage truck. days in West Hollywood. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it did really well. And I saw like, where they realized there could be something there, but they still were afraid when I came here and they would constantly be like, are you sure you want to do this? But every like six to eight months, there'd be something promising enough. And they just knew I play the long game. I don't like shortcuts. I'm not going to just try to like, you know, I was telling somebody recently, it's like, you know, could have easily gone that YouTube route and just like made a bunch of money making YouTube videos. Cause my buddies and I were, were doing well on there those first couple of years, but it was just like, never, I was just like, no, 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 I'll, this will work out. And, they were supportive, but also very passive aggressive with how skeptical they were. Right, right. But it wasn't until, and even though I was making a living, it wasn't until uh, I got hired at Kimmel that it, because all of a sudden it was like, this is a, because te- it was no longer links. It was no longer like where, because I didn't like showing them anything, but they would be like, so is it going to be on TV? Yeah, and then like, like jash.com. Yeah. And then, and, or Shirio Paul. But yeah. I also didn't want them to watch anything because they weren't going to understand it. Like that side of my, my, my real sense of humor. My parents don't really have, like it right. doesn't, I don't do it in front of them. I have like a sillier dad jokey thing when I'm with them. <laughs> and um, so 
because that was like a weekly paycheck, and I they knew where and, I knew where they, I was going to be. Oh, who Jimmy Kimmel? Was yeah, they knew what it yeah. was, and like that, I knew from ten to six I was going to be working. It was consistent. It wasn't freelance. It was more a controlled schedule. Um, so they liked that. And then when I told them I was leaving the show, I left after like eight months under good terms. I just like I got word that I was going to get like a really cool job coming up in the fall, which was Key and Peel. And right. then I was like, I want to do half hour anyways, and. They knew that I wasn't going to hang around for too long because they knew what I what I'm doing now is what I wanted to do. So once that got going, they went from like passive aggressive hints of like you know you could still get like go to business school, you could still yeah. like do this, or are you sure you want to direct to like now they brag right and like I'm like what happened? Like I was like fighting to get you guys on my side, and then now they're like, but it's it's you know it, it, especially for immigrant parents, but any parent. People that don't know this industry are more scared of it than they need to be. Yes, yes, it can be scary. Yes, it's fucking. Yeah, it's terrifying. Yes, it's terrifying. Yes, it's super hard. Yes, but... it's there, but like you figure it out. It's just it, there's it works, and it, you know when it works, it works. It has a, a system, and it's like, but for a parent, it's even. I mean, we're scared. We're always scared, right. but for a parent. They they're even more in the unknown. Like my parents still don't understand my schedule. Right. So well, like, that's because parents aren't as. Uh... What's I'm looking here for? Like blindly optimistic. Like yeah. you have to be almost grossly confident. And yeah. Because like you, it takes a special kind of someone to not do what they want to do for ten plus years right. in pursuit of doing what they want to do, which yeah. is like what we all have to do. Which is like what's well, part of it. Like right, there's yeah. other pe- there's a lot of people that are also doing it. Right. So like it's, yeah, I have it's to not, just. It's but there's a certain part you have to be. There has to be just a certain part of you that's like, and that's what I think parents don't have that because you don't it, and, i mean even my friends my friends from college are like i don't know how you do it man you don't even know when you're gonna work again i'm like i know it's like right. it's crazy yeah but i this is what i want i want this is the angle i gotta go at. i like it it's like it lights a fire like i the, like it was great at kimmel everyone was there it was really great like that's a really fun show to work on but there was something about the routine that i didn't like i was like no no i i like not knowing what my next thing's well, going to be what's... and then i can work on four things at once and at kimmel it's i can't like i have a job like i couldn't even shoot stuff on the weekends cuz i was like was too well yeah. yeah and i was just like all right i'm already i'm making money on this show and right. do i want and i just felt like oh i'm not as like well for that kind of mentality tv directing is the jam cuz then you're like a hired gun you're like i'm doing an episode of this show next week all new cast all right. new rules all new equipment all new crew yeah, uh, you know, and it's hard, but that's if that's part of the thing that excites you, then the higher gun TV route is. So- you can coast. I mean, you could really coast. Like I don't, I I still can't. I'm like panicked about every project that right. I do, and it's like I, you know, I can't do anything but work when it's a project's going. But I know I, I meet like directors that have been around, and they're like, and even now, like I've only been doing half hour stuff for a little over a year. But, like, I'll get comments where they're like, wow, you're, like, more prepared than anyone else that we've had this year. And then they're like, oh, wait till you're, like, wearing, like, a Tommy Bahama shirt and, like, coming in late wearing, like, flip-flops on set. And I'm like, that's never going to happen. That is definitely going to happen. I don't know, man. I don't know. I Not like flip-flops. I want everything to be better than the last thing. So I don't right, know if yeah. I'll ever get. I oh, I'll be imagine. in flip-flops and a Tommy Bahama shirt and uh, on a set that I'm not supposed to be on. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, you can't come to set dressed like that. Also, you can't come to the set because you don't work on this show. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> Oh, well, Payman, it was so awesome talking to you, man. Yeah, I, uh, it was fun, man. I never, this is not something, we have, we've had hour-long conversation before, but mostly about how much we love Brody Stevens or how much we love Adam Sandler or, <laughs> or some specific- Or ramen. Or, yeah. or ramen noodles, yeah. Some specific food group or comedy thing or movie <coughs> we just saw. Um, but where can people on the internet find you? You're at Payman Benz? Yeah, just a P-A-Y-M-A- M A N B E N Z. Just yeah. Twitter. I my stuff. It sounds on there. way more ethnic than it is. Like when you say it, Payman Benz. It's like, oh, what nationality is? It's like, well, his first name is Payman. Yeah. And his last name is Benz. Like Mercedes. First of all, that's a very Persian name because it's like you pay the man, right? And you get the Benz. <laughs> it's like three sought after things: pay, men, and Benz. Well, I remember when we met, you told me because the the place where the studio we worked for, I don't know if we said the name, so I'm not saying it. Yeah. <laughs> said to you, do you know Payman Benz? And that your response was, well, what are those words you just said? Is that a, <laughs> is that a name? That's not a name. Uh, I thought it was a typo. Yeah. That's how yeah. Ethnocentric I am. I'm like, well, his first name's not John or Mike, so he right. can't be a director. <laughs> Just kidding, ladies. Women can direct, and so can ethnic people. I'm, I'm learning. Learning slowly. <laughs> I've slowly learned. 
But yeah, I remember your reaction to it was funny. But Ben's wasn't my, you know this, it's not my birth right. birth you last name. Changed so, it yeah. for that for the bit. Yeah, left payment yeah. though, which yeah. I like. Payment's real. Yeah, I know. Yeah. That's what's cool about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's like, you didn't go like, hi, I'm Mike. I almost said Bill Benz, who actually is a comedy director. Yeah, I know Bill, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's great. Yeah. Hi, I'm Bill Benz. No. <laughs> <laughs> you should tell people you guys are brothers. That's really funny. We were, yeah. like, we were on the same set because we were both on the same show. And then like people were like, the Benz bros. <laughs> and Bill is like a tall, like, uh, string, uh, lanky white guy. <laughs> yeah, like very weird. I'm clear. I was adopted. I'm the one they, they, they rescued me. That's really fun. Uh and uh, what do you got coming up that people could check out? You've directed a couple episodes of uh, we said it earlier, uh, Last Man on Earth. A uh, couple of Brooklyn yeah, Nine-Nines. a couple a couple episodes of that later this fall, and then I did a couple episodes of this new show called Son of Zorn. Son of be Zorn, on Fox. Uh, friend of the podcast, Eric Capel is an EP and director Ye- on. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, a, a new show called The Good Place on NBC that'll be on this fall, and then a few. But I'll I mentioned stuff on Twitter. But yeah, there's nothing immediate. I don't think I'm going out. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know when this episode's coming out, so don't stress. But yeah, uh, payment. Thanks. As always, uh, subscribe to this podcast. Tell your friends to subscribe to it. Rate me five stars and roast me in the comments, and I'll read it. Buy yourself a high and mighty T-shirt from the T-shirt store. Um, But mostly tell your friends to listen to this podcast and tell your friends to watch comedy on television or on Hulu or on Netflix. However, just watch comedies. Please. I go to see every R-rated comedy that comes out. I try to see it on opening weekend. Oh, that's great. Well, that's when you have to see it. Right, because that's yeah. when it's like before you get too spoiled on jokes and stuff. And like you need that. to hear it with people. Everyone's yeah. laughing. It's, yeah. it's fun that way. Yeah. Highly recommend Popstar. <laughs> Popstar's so funny. I fucking love Popstar. Dude, that movie is... I saw it twice. Like, yeah, Because I don't want to wait for the DVD. I'm like, I want to watch it again. That I, movie I want is... the DVD because I like the deleted scenes on good on good comedies like that. I'm yeah. Like, oh, I'll get you, I bet you there's two more that I'll like. Dude, that movie... I'm, I'm disappointed more people didn't go. If that you haven't seen Popstar yet, so funny. fucking watch it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Later, shitheads. <laughs> That was a HeadGum Podcast.